you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Ah, we are visiting Egypt today. Exactly. We're going to go see some ancient wonders of the world. I think this is the only one left standing, right? You know, there's the seven ancient and the seven modern, and I think that the pyramids are the only ones left standing. Oh, really? Colossus of Rhodes is gone, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, yeah. the Temple of Mausolus, all of them. I think that they're all swept away by history. And wow. this guy was just too big to demolish, too big to have a storm take him out, whatever else it might be. So yeah, just give people a chance. They'll destroy it and ruin it. They probably want a parking lot or something. I wonder, there's been wars fought right near here. I hope that there's they had some rules of engagement that said, how about if we not climb on it? How about if we not fire on it? How about if we don't do anything? I just, it's funny. We, <laughs> I never intend to talk about these things, but they all, or these things spark connections. Someone just got arrested for yes. or writing his girlfriend's name, his fiance's name into the Coliseum. And like, we've talked about this probably a year and a half ago where I've been at national parks, beautiful old petroglyphs, amazing sequoias and redwood type trees and someone got out their spray can or their pen knife or whatever the freaking and that kind of crazy ego that kind of disregard for this is everyone's this has survived a thousand years it's not been waiting for you to mar it what ego what incredible jag offery do people have it's the same thing as you get where you put Trump on everything. You know what I mean? You got to put your splash your name on various different things. Right. No- it all off. Let's record it and post it on social media because I'll be such a hero. See, I'm a freaking moron. I'll tell you, th- this is a common theme now. I don't know that we need one of the things you can count on with vandals, with assholes nowadays is they're not too bright. They film themselves. They create their own evidence. They right. don't go around to look for surveillance cameras. They supply their own. Right. Yeah. It's unbelievable. We did. They just. I, so North Carolina has been trying to put a rule in place in their charter schools about a dress code only for girls, not boys, because those girls are the ones that need to be taught how to dress, not boys. It, I can't even think of a way to compress down the stupidity of a dress code and a sex specific dress code down into how much I want to mock it. And agreed said that it made it all the way to the Supreme court. What state is our country in? Yeah. I just wrote about this on Facebook. That's the kind of, uh, that's coming up before the Supreme court, not how are we going to save ourselves? How are we going to fix our education system? The education system isn't getting fixed because people are not wearing the right skirt. That's all of this going on. And as usual, the reason I bring this up is because um, jerks are often so short-sighted and so stupid that they hang themselves. Yeah. They're hoisting their own petard. So they discovered charter schools have been fighting for decades to drain money away from public schools because we had a good education system, but they decided that what they wanted was an indoctrination center, not an education system. So they created these charter schools so they can have often a religious or a, let's say, a prejudice bent. 
And then they said, we're not going to sponsor that ourselves and we're not going to. So they started to actively compete to get public funds drained away in terms of vouchers and stuff like that. Like often happens, once you start dealing with public, especially public funds, you buy all the laws that go with that as well. So you can't build a road, call it a toll road that used public funds. No, it's the public. You can't bring money into a public school and not abide by all the non-sex discrimination rules, all the, you have to have Title IX sports because that's the law of the land. Every time that you try to put together, hey, it's religious freedom. So we get to put up our Ten Commandments. Along comes Baphomet from the Satanist society and say, hey, we got some religious symbols to share as well. So how many times do you see that what we want for religious freedom is freedom for us, our indoctrination for us, not for everyone. And yet that's not what the rules of free society say. (laughs) Yes. And we've talked about this, how these types of things change. I know the Darwin Awards definitely love social media. (laughs) I'm sure that's been a boost for them over the years. But it's so funny you bring this up because, and I've said this before, that it keeps changing. We're against the gay marriage and the trans and all that. That's the big thing now. Let's go back 50 years. It was a black man and a white woman. That was the big thing. Let's go back 50 years. It keeps changing. And I joke about this. I'm like, don't worry, all the LGBT community, don't worry. Give it 50 years. And they won't even care about that because they're really going to be concerned about somebody from Mars dating somebody from Earth. (laughs) Exactly that. An uplifted animal that you're not allowed, like they make fun of now. Once you have marriage equality, you're going to have men marrying animals. And as soon as we find out that indeed (laughs) dolphins and crows and white mice have been as smart as people all along, and indeed they should be able to enter with consent into various different things. We can't have that. A marriage is only between one man and a consenting goat, apparently. I saw a thing, a lady married the ghost of a pirate (laughs) but uh, south park did it south park did it not the simpson south park did it they had a show where it was pointing out some of this in in their way mr garrett wanted to be a woman they like made it as disgusting looking as possible to say this is what you're doing then kyle i think it was kyle wanted to be on the basketball team but he was basically told look you're the wrong color you can't play well and and so he went and got changed to a a tall black kid and joined the basketball team and then his dad said they have all sorts of surgeries he became trans species he was part dolphin and (laughs) and so it was done in that over-the-top way that comedy has a way of doing to point out the issues and all this stuff with it like you said though if We're going to pass this law or tell girls they can't dress a certain way. We're getting back to uniforms and people don't want uniforms. And it just goes back to, we demand everything be our way. This is what we want. The other doesn't matter. It's not equal. It's not fair. It's not, they're not striving for like the most basic tenets of the civilization, which is treat all your civilization, your citizens equally. That the, the minute you start to say, I don't know, there's, I, it's not even a humorous thing to talk about anymore because people are so fanatically crazy about it. Where I am is right. And anything that's not exactly like me is wrong. And when you start to see that from every direction, from whether you're male or female or black or white or, or gay or straight or whatever else it might be, there's the people that will take it one step too far where it becomes absurd, but they don't see that it's one step too far. They really are like, there's, they're always pushing their test cases and their demands, if you will. And eventually we'll get to The law says this, but reality says John Cleese just had a request when they were going to put out like a 50th year, a 50th anniversary edition, maybe 40 of Life of Brian. 
And there's a scene in there where they're talking about it, it's one of the many splinter groups that are trying to decide it with what religious, how they're going to accept whether Brian is the Messiah or not. And one of them speaks up and is always interjecting, every man should have the right or woman. And that's, will you, will you cut it out with that? And he goes, actually, I want to be a woman. Call me Loretta. And then, so they say, sure, that's okay. And then she goes, and I want to have babies. And the Cleese's character kind of says, you can want them all that you want, and you will indeed have the right to have babies, but you haven't got a womb. You haven't got a uterus. And until, and they don't talk about in the future when we can do that kind of operation, but it just is that break from reality of people right. saying, I demand that there's an amusing thing that comes on the net all the time of, I disregard your reality and substitute my own <laughs> you got a lot of work ahead of you you know what i mean you can you can make the world is filled with dissatisfied people and that's where true progress comes from but there's still a sense of how real is what you're asking for and sometimes goals are seem unattainable but it's still something that if you work hard and work smart and get all the everything in a row it can still happen but you can't flap your wing your arms to turn them into wings magically and fly to the moon and Again, you can't think of an absurd enough thing where people are saying ridiculous things and it's up to everyone else not to talk about what's legal, but pretty much what's real. And if you talk about what's real, then you're the guy that's discriminating somehow. Not all the time. Some people are very <laughs> right. much, I see what you're saying. That really is a difference, a break from reality. I have all kinds of people that I'm very sensitive to mental health within circles of my friends within my artistic friends within my mensa friends there's all kinds of people that are differently abled and i all of it you know what i mean i we've laughed about we have we are somewhere on the spectrum you know what i mean i think i'm a pretty high performing guy but i still like symmetry and i really like to have things in a little stack for have some elements <laughs> some elements and having said that i don't expect that i need to pass a law that says that's the right way to be you know what i mean when you flip it over into some of my quotes disability is actually a superpower my ability to focus my ability to think quickly do numerics in my head quickly all that kind of stuff but it never occurs to me that's the way it should be for everybody i don't take that next step that says whatever i've got i'm happy that i've got it i got a whole bunch of blessings but it never occurs to me that it should be like me i celebrate the diversity i celebrate the Oh, the everything. Not everybody is a big white Lithuanian German guy. You know, what would the world be like if that was the case? So I, 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 this isn't going anywhere except to say, boy, it's all around us. Not a day goes by without someone asking for something that like isn't in touch with reality. And that the argument nowadays has to be on that tightrope of not like I'm bigoted and I don't want you to be able to have things that are you're right as a citizen, the possibility of the future and so forth, but you can't just snap your fingers and make an untrue thing true or make physics stop working <laughs> or make chemistry different than what it is. Some connection with the natural world is so necessary for just like feeling that you're part of it that you're not a ghost moving through it, that you really do have the senses that are, have you aware of how the world works and in fact maybe that's the segue is one of the joys that i've been doing lately is i love maker spaces i've always loved understanding material science how things work hey i just um greased my garage door so it stops making a, a that little scream of metal Protest. on metal <laughs> i just built a little raised bed garden box so that colleen and i can plant some herbs but not be down on our knees and oh back strain you know what i mean like 
it, I love the fact that not only am I relatively handy, but nowadays they're really good from an, an Ikea sense or from kits you can get on Amazon. These have been around for a long time that they pre-cut it and they supply exactly the right screws. And all you have to do, I just did this all with a ratcheting screwdriver. I was able to build this sturdy, level, useful thing because the algorithm of how to build a raised bed garden box is now all like a solved problem. And they sent me one on from Amazon, Yahi Tech. And I'm, I just, I admire still the people that are able to cut their own wood and make this all happen. They can build a staircase from scratch and stuff like that. But what I also like is I don't have to do that. I like solving certain things myself, but the one where I want to spend my time is what are those cool problems and all the other things I want to just go watch a video on YouTube, how to grease it up, what not to grease. So you're not, there's plastic components that are there and that grease doesn't work well with that. In fact, it actually might dissolve them or things like that, or at least grease it up where no, that's where it's getting its traction. You don't, you don't grease up the part that's pulling the door, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I love the fact that one of the ways in which the internet is great is that humanity has wonderful shared information. And in some cases, things that used to be kept to the techno priests or the, the car fixing priests or the how to build a fence priests that now People are putting those things online, and here's Bill from garagedooropeners.com, and he's like, all right, here's what you got to do every couple of years to make sure your garage door stays in working order. And he knows his stuff. He doesn't have a lab coat on. He's the guy that works on these kinds of things, and yet he knows that stuff. He really is the expert. Right. I love seeking out the experts instead of, I'm going to figure this out on my own and maybe make a mistake. I sure don't want to make a mistake with a garage door. It's like my spring, it just took my face off. You know what I mean? It's, and I, boy, I'm just all chatty today. I'm not letting you get a word in there. You've what, got an exciting cool week. I know that you are off. Exactly. You build your own computers. Isn't that wonderfully satisfying? You yes. know what I mean? Much when more you, so than working on a car. Like that. And nowadays, cars are like they're taking steps away from that. It used to be that you could be a gearhead and really take a car entirely apart and put it back together. And now they've got so many solid state components and so much that it's not as easy by sight, by by hearing to figure out, to troubleshoot a car and fix it. Because <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? it's sensors and computer chips, which I'm not down on that at all. That's right. definitely progress. Things have improved because of it in most ways. Mo there probably isn't any tech through the last several hundred years that hasn't been absolutely perfect, that there's some downside to it. We always have that, but the improvements outweigh the downsides. It's a leapfrog type thing. Absolutely. Uh, have we ever talked about this? My, the first car that I ever bought, I inherited a car from like a dollar from my dad. I bought his old Scirocco and that kept me going for the first couple of years out of college, a, a Volkswagen Scirocco. <laughs> I killed it. Because I put some gas into it that I found in a can at home. It wasn't gas. It was a gas oil mixture that you use for lawnmowers. And it just totally clogged. So I bought a Chrysler Laser. And one of the cool things about the Chrysler Laser at the time was it had, so far as I can tell, the first trip computer. It had all those little sensors that would say, hey, the door is ajar. You know, <laughs> if you didn't close the door correctly, if your wheels were getting, tires were getting worn, if you needed, it had a whole bunch of sensors that instead of just putting up a check engine light, they had sensors before that would let you know you're running low on oil, you're overheating, whatever, but it actually had 
smart ways of telling you that. And I got really pretty good about maintaining my car exactly like I should, because I didn't wait for the flashing red, you are in danger light. I listened to what it told me and said, I'll be happy to put more air in my tires. You know what I mean? Exactly. So what I, and I don't know that I bought the car specific for that, but when, as I was reviewing various different cars and I got, I, I got this car because I like the future. I like that even if it's not perfect yet, every time I get in, I'm going to be happy. Every time that I have a passenger, they're going to be, oh, this car is so you. It's Kit. Your car is talking to you. It says your hood latch is not quite correct. And it, the questions were perfect and terse. I'm trying to, if you changed your oil or your windshield washer fluid and didn't put the hood down correctly, it would let you know that so that it doesn't go sprawling and come <laughs> like every movie <laughs> while you're on the road. Exactly. And so I don't you know that it saved my life, that it, it sure made me more aware of and a little bit what you just said. I don't mind the sensors at all. Something that's in my car that every 100 times a second is checking. How's the pressure? How's the pressure? How's the pressure? I'm happy to have that in the same way that I near self-driving cars, because instead of how often do I do the scan that I was taught in my driver's ed course of little look forward, look behind, check your mirrors, all that kind of stuff. It's doing that all the time for how fast is what's coming in front of me? And are, is there anything on my side? And how, what's the road conditions? And the fact that I've been able to offload all of that attention into something that's doing that for me is a wonderful, miraculous, cool thing. Right. I can spend my time enjoying the drive instead of looking out for everybody who's hovering in my blind spot because they still love to do that. I've heard so <laughs> many people. Yeah, I do understand. And Myself, there's a little bit of missing those days when an engine had half a dozen parts that you could pull out, put back in and fix up and keep it running. That's our muscle car era. I can appreciate a good muscle car. But with what you just said, the self-driving cars, so many people not in the know. Oh, I don't trust those self-driving cars. They cause accidents. They cause a lot less accidents than people do. And the only reason they're having accidents now is because we still allow people on the road. As soon as every vehicle is self-driving <laughs> and they talk to each other, our accidents are going down to almost zero, I bet. I think you're right. I really do. One of the, I mentioned a couple of months ago now at the start of the season, I worked on my lawnmower. My lawnmower wouldn't start. And I'm like, at first I was going to take it to lawnmower repair place. It had closed down. And you know how sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. As I like did a spiral with my little mapping software of how far I might have to take this thing in the trunk of my car to just get it looked at. It's like those days of figuring out a car with the six moving parts. That's what a lawnmower is. It's got what a two-stroke engine and it's got, right. a, it's got some oil and gas and a spark plug. I know enough about this from when I did learn about cars. I should be able to figure out this little fella. And so that's what I did. I bought a new air filter and I bought a new spark plug and I put oil and just it purred at like this 20 year old Honda makes good stuff. They really yeah. do. If you don't run it until it's metal on metal inside because you didn't change the oil. And so I'm just, it's cool to, and I don't know, is it a manly thing? I think it's just a capable person thing of, Hey, so I rewired it as Tim Allen used to say it working just fine now. And I really, the fact that I was able to take long buried information and reuse it here and say, that makes sense. This is where your gas line is. And this is, yeah, this all works just like I expect it to. So it's not like, we'll pour some fluid in and hope it works. It's like, that's where the fluid would go. That's Kick exactly it. What, Yeah. So I, every, maybe that's one of the reasons that I've been doing those things lately is, and spring does it or something like that. 
when we have hanging baskets in the front of our house and they weren't exactly always where we wanted them to be. We just took down a big hedge. And so now there's a big opening to the front that didn't have hanging baskets before because they would have been blocked by the hedge. So here I am with my power drill and I'm like, okay, how far do I have to go up? And I want to make sure that I'm doing it like right up, not at a weird angle. And so it's, it, and you're, I have hooks that you screw in. You try screwing that into hundred year old wood. That's the underside of the, over our porch. And it's, I'm going to carve it into the pyramid. I can't do this. Did <laughs> you find it? You look at the screw thing and then you get your bits and you think, okay, what's half that size, three quarters of that size. So you get your starter hole, but enough so that the screws are going to still get a good grip into the wood. I figured it all out. Just like my dad taught me, like I knew in shop class, like I've done from other projects and now we have hanging baskets where we want them to be. It's very satisfying to like alter material things. When I did, so there I am with my Cano WD-40, having fixed the garage door. Then I'm like, I should go check all the locks in the house and make sure that they are. Oh no, madman on the loose. <laughs> exactly. You just kind of, this is something that I'm sure that there are 535 things you should do to maintain your home. And I don't want to do 500, but I sure can do the top 20. And so it's what maintenance should I do? You name it. To my faucet, to my toilet. I should be able to switch a wash route in case something is dripping. I should be able to figure out this electrical outlet is, it got, the wall is, it's flexing. It's pushing in and out of the wall. I don't want that with anything electric. So how do I take it off, put a little shoring up of it that I know is not going to be any problem with electricity. And just, it's cool to have I'm not solving problems on the computer. Oh, this bit of code isn't working because it's making a wrong call and I did a stack overflow. It's wow. I looked at it and I saw that that's because that's worked its way loose and it's a skew. And if I got enough tools in the house and it's funny, once you start doing this as a guy, you're like, <laughs> I need like new tools. I need more tools. I need faster, bigger, better tools. Right. And so I'm trying to resist that of this being an opening of I don't, I talked about getting the garage. I'll have the big pegboard that my dad had where all the tools are up. Outlined. And, and you got the jars that have all the various different screws. Yes, and I still stuff. have those. And, and so I don't, I have, this is no lie. When I first got my home, my town home in Hoffman Estates, I had a tool pumpkin. I had a trick-or-treat orange pumpkin. That's where I kept all my tools because I knew I wouldn't miss it. It's bright orange. If it's sitting anywhere in the garage or in the basement, it's like, well, pumpkin. That's where the tools live. <laughs> and what I always wanted to have that next step of, you really do have a C-clamp that you can hold on to things on your workbench. You're really, uh, all that stuff. Now that I have a garage, I haven't done it in the first year, but I really am getting to where... Am I going to do the little set of hooks where that's where all your rakes and brooms go? Am I going to put a hooks overhead so you can hang your bike up there? <laughs> I got all these things that I learned from how my parents did it. They right. didn't have limited space. Nobody does. So they were very cunning about how do you have not only the two of them, but three kids and not overcrowd your garage, make it so that everything, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. Right. It's a very German way to live. Ask my mom. It's very cool to set that up, to know that if I have a tool, I don't just put it down when I'm done with it, put it back put it so back. the next time you need it, it's just where it should be. That's right. like life. Isn't that a good rule for life? <laughs> it's funny. I, My father only made it to the eighth grade. He never was able to read his whole life. And we're pretty, at least... I am pretty sure he was somewhere really high on the autism spectrum somewhere. I never got tested, never got looked at. He had learning disabilities, but 
was it that he had learning disabilities or was it some other things because of his autism that he needed done a different way? We don't know. Um, they, but they intermesh. Yeah. You, know, all that, yeah. Yes. you don't get tested. You don't know, but you won't get tested if you're already showing anyway. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he figured out a lot of things throughout his life. And it, there were times it was like, Something was jury rigged and it's, what is this contraption that you're doing to make it work? And when are we going to die from it? It was like the thing and I've had to deal with some of that through the last couple of years. He's, he wasn't able to do anything. Now he's passed away. So I'm running into and dealing with some of these issues. It's like we go out to the building and we he has a, a an extension cord running to a pole that had a light and that pole ha was wired to run electricity into the thing. And there was one extension cord with one power strip with all these extension cords coming off of it. Coming out you, of it. Yeah. When you go to turn it on, it shocks you. So, so that's really not how it should be. So that's the type of thing we dealt with. I, I learned a few things from him, but he hated teaching and showing me things because it'd be like, why are you doing that? What's that for? Why is it? Why isn't like this? And he couldn't answer it because he really didn't know. And it would just cause friction between us. So the faucet was dripping. It was just wearing out the washer and things. Right. So I went and got, I did like you. I, okay, what needs fixed on this? I, oh, that looks like all it is. Great. I can pop that off and stick in a new thing, put that back on. The overlay part that you actually turn has a little screw that you tighten so it's nice and tight on the valve that you open and close. But okay. they have this recessed screw in there that comes from the inside. And I didn't know that and picked it up and the screw fell out. And I'm like, oh, oh damn it. Exactly. There's no possible way because it's like it goes like this. So there's no way to put it in backwards there's no way yeah. to get anything to get that in there from the inside so i looked oh, around i'm man. like huh that chopstick is about the same size as this hole <laughs> so i stuck the chopstick in there with some glue broke off the end of it and my son comes and says what are you doing and i'm like i'm fixing it <laughs> right. and he goes you're channeling your father right now i'm like shut up <laughs> oh is it jerry rigging jury rigging closing? Uh, you know what i mean i've heard all kinds of fiddly fucking that kind of stuff where you're like it works i mentioned a number of times a good friend named tom cortese that he worked in the music lab that was all the way at the top of the serial building at school when i went at the u of i they had a thing where you'd be able to take the elevator to the fourth floor and then had to take a staircase up to the fifth and in order to take that staircase, you still had to already unlock a door. Like there was a cage there. <laughs> it's so, like Zork. It, honestly, it was it. He did a thing where instead of him having to come down the stairs to let you in that thing, he like put a line down, et cetera, et cetera, so that he could pull on this thing and it would automatically lift the latch to let you in. Saved him two flights of stairs every time that someone had to come in. And like he called it a kludge. The first time I had ever heard kludge. of that term. Yeah. And forever, you know what? That sometimes you learn a word. It's that's a perfect word. It's kludge is like onomatopoeically sounds like what that is. Yeah, kludged it together. Yeah. And I just love that he was that ingenious. That after the, I don't know how many times does it take doing unnecessary stairs to say, I've done this ten times. I'm not doing an eleven. I'm going <laughs> to figure something out here. <laughs> yeah, that's been my family, my grandfather, my father, and if you remember. Back in the early days of the internet, in the early 90s, the guys at MIT were some of the first to take advantage of it. They took a, web, a early webcam and they rigged it up to point at their coffee pot so they could just check to see if there was coffee before they walked all the way over. <laughs> I, I, 
honestly, I love those stories that that some of the most advanced technology in the world. And the first thing they want to do is, don't you want to play like a space war game? You know what right. I mean? Don't you want to check the coffee pot? It's a, <laughs> the first person. There was a time when character, every character mattered. And so some part of why people came up with emoticons was to be able to put a little thing that looked like curious or disgusted or whatever else it might be without having to write that out and put it in brackets. And what I love that, uh, and having said that, I think you and I have both run into code that way back in the days when memory really mattered, people wrote some really convoluted, near <laughs> ununderstandable code. Even them for they themselves. To preserve every single cell, every single bit, not bite, bit of memory. Yeah. Trying to figure out what in the world were they doing here? Why would they do it this way? They had to figure it out. You had to put yourself into their mind. The empathy of computer coding. This guy was really desperate to come up with this kind of ball of yarn type solution. <laughs> right. So it, I was going to say earlier when we were talking about the Darwin Awards and stuff that there and the LGBT and how that somewhere. Here's a nice segue. Somewhere there's a world that exists that's just like ours, except those things aren't a problem. <laughs> there, and speaking of that speaking I, of <laughs> i went to see the flash which yes. you had seen and now i have and it is a great movie for it is the law of unintended consequences the way that everything is linked together even in ways that are not immediately apparent even if you try to figure out how it's linked together that things happen for reasons that you don't fully understand and they always will so that a big part of, by the way i really loved it i, I, I did too and amazed that it's got what's one of those movies that like i think like morbius after the first weekend it had a 70 percent drop off at the box office and like why what is there not to like here yeah. maybe it's ezra miller is not as likable and majestic as other characters maybe it's too complex a plot line and people I... wanted more biff bam pow overall if you're a comic book person it's really well done and the philosophy of as soon as flash of two worlds occurred and you had different vibratory planes, different timelines, different, they've much expanded that with Flashpoint and everything over the years. Now it puts a good way to put it. It's like in the same way that people are talking about, hey, AI is coming on strong, but maybe we should have some guardrails so that we doesn't <laughs> The minute that we started talking about the multiverse, there's been a couple, the last Doctor Strange movie, the Spider-Man movie. Oh man, how cool. Multiple Spider-Mans, many Spider-Mans in the Spider-Verse movie. And now this was really a cautionary tale over it's not only, hey, everybody, take off all expectations, all those stories that you read, there really is every kind of Batman, there really is every kind of Spider-Man, every kind of Flash, et cetera, et cetera, but that you don't get that without the penalty of unintended consequences that not every Flash will be a good guy. Some people, some part of what makes you a superhero sometimes is being a vigilante, being obsessive, being damaged goods. And if that gets too obsessed, turns towards the wrong side, you, you really can have all kinds of weird things happen. Right. And in some cases, that buckfly effect of it really shows small it changes in initial conditions can lead to huge changes elsewhere in the system, like the destruction of exter entire universes. The thing they did with Crisis on Infinite Earths, the thing they did with in, in the Marvel Universe, all the various, the Council of Reeds trying to figure out which entire universes are going to be able to, who's going to win? Out of all of those universes that are going to collide and subsume or destroy each other and stuff like that. And that one of the great montages in the Flash movie was that they really 
I love comic book movies that have a wonderful awareness of all that has gone before. So this didn't just show like the last two years of superhero movies. They went back to the Superman TV series from yeah, the 50s. Reads and black series. and white. Exactly. All the various different animated Batman. regular, And of course, in the movie itself, there's not too much of a spoiler because it's out there now. There's maybe more than the one true Batman because the movies themselves has offered us half a dozen of them now. Yeah. Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer and George Clooney and Christian Bale and who have I missed out of this generation of various different Batmans? Adam West. <laughs> Adam West, exactly. The, the previous generation. Not to mention, yeah, the cartoon ones, cartoon. Kevin Conroy and stuff. And that Flash is not only our modern version, but there's his Wally West and various different successors. There's the previous Jay Garrick, Flash from the Golden Age. Who was and in so it? that montage where they showed all the various different incarnations of various different characters, it was really cool to say that they all do exist simultaneously. Time is not linear. The universe is not a singleton. It's a multiverse and all that kind of stuff. And they found a way to capture it, some of the more interesting graphics. And I don't know that they portrayed it exactly as they tried really hard to show there's whole universe walls. There's timelines that intersect. There's there's energy that goes between them and stuff like that. And so that was one of those things I'm really glad every time I see something like that, that I'm in the big theater with the big sound, because no matter what kind of big TV you got at home, 65 inches is not going to be enough compared to IMAX big. I loved the (laughs) spaghetti explanation of time and where things cross and come in because we always have the branching parallels, which is kind of like a choose your own adventure novel. But this is once you get on a new track, it's completely different front and back and which takes into account time exactly. it's a fulcrum that yeah. it's not just going forward that you change you retroactively change things and that's why you're getting wow i i thought i was just going to change something as simple as moving one object from one place to another and yet it has implications consequences which, which you know? does help all the naysayers for back to the future because it's a different way of looking at all of that that's right and the story, and I, I thought it was great. Colin w- was super excited, but then once he got to it, it was like, eh. But I think he got influenced too much by too many other people. I was like, I, who cares? I loved it. I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was one of DC's better movies. So right. there's that. But the fact that it had cameos from all different kinds yeah. of shows, but that they didn't then say, let's all team up and have a Justice League movie. Yes. They stepped in for a while, did their thing, and then stepped back out. So it's very cool to see their attempt to have what Marvel did really well in the comic books, which is if you're swinging around New York, you really might like bump into Spider-Man. You might bump into the Fantastic Four or whatever else it might be. Right. Sorry. And the basic story, if you cut out all of that time travel stuff, the basic story is Flash. And I thought his character arc in the movie was fantastic. He started as a snot-nosed kid in, in a way, and realized the consequences of being a superhero and their actions and grew up beyond wanting to fix it. The flash that did not died. There's something to say about development there. You didn't grow, you're dead. But I thought that basic story was pretty strong and well done. Showing the character arc, not being just how do you become a hero, but how do you become like an adult? How do you become a responsible human being? How do you make the sacrifice that might be necessary. Who doesn't want their mom? Absolutely. <laughs> Who right? love their mom. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Very well done. And this is a big spoiler. If you haven't seen it, sorry. But when he originally got into the speed force and in, in the time and it was all around, I loved how they portrayed that. 
but then the demon creature that attacked him i'm like what the heck is that yeah they I did is that their introduction of Professor Zoom or the reverse flash? Or like, what other speedster could it be? I was like, okay, my mind will work on that in the background as they offer clues. And it was indeed a well-resolved... It was. ...tragedy. Exactly. It, it was very well done. Because the thing that bothered me the most about it was there wasn't a big battle, didn't pursue him. He knocked him out and then just watched him. And I was like, that is weird. <laughs> okay, that's true. It... it, it, it you're right. In fact, that's but that's still part of the clues is it wasn't yes. a battle to the death. It wasn't lethal. It was stop messing around, you know. Right. So he, I, it was himself trying to cause the things to fix. It did. Right. It looped and stuff. So yeah. I thought that was well done. I don't know. Personally, I liked it. I thought it was great. The Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, I thought was great. <laughs> The extended version of Batman versus Superman, I thought was great. Honestly, the two extended versions are 10 times better than the theater version. It's like Lord of the Rings. I'm never going to watch those theater versions again. That's really true. One of those things, if you're going to hire a director because they think a lot of his talent, then let him do the job. Don't show up with your notes and say, I'm going to need more merchandising. I'm going to need less time because I got to do three shows a night, not two. And then you don't get the the magnificence of what some superhero right. movies can be because they really are a larger scale than regular life. You know and, what I mean? And I think what hurt the movie, obviously Ezra's actions did not help the movie whatsoever. People are much more sensitive to that type of thing nowadays. So that did not help. But for them to say, here's the Flash movie, it doesn't really mean anything because we're just scrapping all of that. That probably wasn't a wise decision. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll tell you what, I... I one of my objections to the Marvel Universe thing of it all ties together is I'm really happy to go see Morbius. It's a slice of life. It doesn't have to be that there's big tie-ins. Right. All the things they did to build into the Avengers movies with the various different cameos and previews and that kind of stuff. I think it's okay to have one shots and kind of like self-contained things instead of it all being a big river novel, it all being too connected. Right. Some people will say, man, I have, I have, everybody must have had this thought in the comic book world. Summer shows up, and this year it's the war with Atlantis. The next year it's the Skrull secret invasion. In order to follow that, I have to buy every single annual and a whole bunch of different issues of all kinds of titles. And I have always been a completist, so I was getting all that kind of stuff anyway. But when I looked at the stack of stuff, here, let's get on the visual, that you would have to buy in order to really get this entire story. If you were just like a Daredevil fan, you're going to have to buy 30 other things in order right. to see what really happened from this whole story. I thought that was, it's very cool for them to build big stories like that. But how much of that was driven by let's do an epic as compared to we can do all the tie-in dollars here. And hey, right. we'll have special prismatic and silver colors to go with certain issues. <laughs> I have been over very much. One of the reasons I am not unhappy with having stopped buying comic books is because I could see how the, the branding people, the we got a live audience here that are addicted. What can we do to stretch that addiction? Let's not let's um, not focus and worry about the stories. Let's focus and worry about how much money we could get from and throw some story into it. And right, that starts right. to really show sometimes. Yeah. It's I am um, I really do like that. If, if, let me step away from that. The speed force that you mentioned never have made sense to me. Never has it made sense. I think it was Mark Wade. I'm trying to think who first came up with it. Like 
it a lot of comic book things make pseudo sense if a superman came from a different gravity planet <laughs> and red sun instead of yellow sun i'll buy that sure you're solar charged and it's in a different way i've never seen a good explanation for how the speed force works why certain people can tap into and others can't what the dangers of it are what the benefits of it are it was a way of externalize something that was super metabolism or when they've had the various different speedsters that were it's a magic thing or it's a science right, thing, or right. it's a uh, the spoken formula from johnny lightning no what is his name it doesn't matter there's been multiple ways in which you could get super quickness if you will and i liked all the various different tries that people made for explanations as to how that really worked and in fact some of the downside of it i remember there being an alan moore swamp thing issue where they i think it was that Maybe he did a little bit of Justice League or something, but they talked about how the Flash lives in a world of statues. That if you are operating at that kind of mega speed and what you're trying to do is continually slow yourself down so you can just communicate with other people so that you don't continually phase through the floor. You know what I mean? That you're not just sitting there vibrating with how much power you're containing. Right. I liked those kinds of things. Maybe not an explanation of super speed, but the implications of it. That once you're super fast, that... And I, you've heard me say this, a lot of my life, my brain is not the flash, but I am really good at figuring out what's happening next in movies that I'm watching, music that I'm listening to, people that I'm talking to. It is heartbreaking in some cases to be like, when am I going to get where I'm just so impatient that I'm going to go, get to it, come on! I, I don't, I've got all the governors on because my mom and dad raised me to not, as a little kid, be that jerk, be that impatient ass that and yet i play hearts online and the game is just fun enough for me to think of what i'm doing practice keeping track of cars that kind of stuff but the glacial pace at which people play just kills me it really is difficult in certain contexts certain games are like that where it's like wow there's four of us here at the table and when it's your turn you're not just starting to look at it. Haven't you been looking and thinking about what you're going to yes. be doing while the other people were taking their turn? And then make your turn, so, for the love of God! So, so to put, put that in the context for non-gamers, it's when you have a super long line at McDonald's and the guy in front of you is waiting for 25 minutes to get to the counter and then they get up there and they're like, what do I want? It's, oh my God, are you kidding me? You could have done this already and just told them. Like but, that. <laughs> but I remember Dominion, which is one of my favorite games. Right. Uh, and me and Colin introduced it to Gina and her kids. And we played at times. And she enjoyed it, but she kept saying that we made her feel bad. We're like, we're not doing anything to make you feel bad. And she's, I'm not, I'm just barely done with my turn scooping up to get the next hand. And you guys are throwing cards down and grabbing them. And I haven't even shuffled. It's my turn again. And it's, that's because we already figured out what we want. My hand didn't change. The cards right. on the table didn't change. I know what I want. I don't have to like think about it when it's my turn it's not a strategy game where the board shifts and changes and you may have to reevaluate on your turn this is literally i got my cards i know what i want i'm good for my next turn and we weren't trying to make her feel bad and we weren't rushing her we never like once said, come on hurry up and do it that was her but we're like ready to go bam Man, if you take Dominion with the base set and the initial setup, they recommend to get started. And it's yeah. just me and Colin. We start going so fast. We're like, wait a minute, <laughs> whose turn is it? 
Did you go? Is it my turn? Because we're like throwing things down almost like real time fast. And- I talk about that with all different kinds. When I, we sit down to play Euchre. And to me, it really is one of those things like, doesn't everybody know how this is going to go upon first looking at cards? It's right. really mechanical. One out of a hundred hands is any kind of surprise. Sometimes people misplay, but otherwise with best play, it's really pretty obvious what's going to be happening. Right. Any number of games that are like that. So I, I don't stop playing them because a big part of it is the social aspect and so forth. Right, absolutely. Sometimes the mismatch between like skilled and a novice or experienced and other that they even have nowadays tournaments where they say, please don't join the tournament if what you're looking for is a casual game, a pickup game, because right. there's a level of play here that's going to be the ex- the expectation and you will feel bad and you'll piss people off. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guys I play magic with regularly we we played for years and we have some of the same decks we've used for years and played against each other and literally play a lot of times we're like i know you're holding this so if i play this you're going to play that we're mad and we're all we all know what everyone's playing and has and yeah you shouldn't do that that type of thing so i really tick my friend brian off sometimes i, I play just a literally mess play chaos so seeds of chaos throughout the game he's what are you playing that for i'm like what are you gonna do about it i gotta do this of course you do now i can play it's just i just I, did i win nope did i like make it a more memorable game i think so <laughs> it, it's funny i really i do well in the games because i think a lot of moves ahead and stuff like that but i don't think that i'm super competitive i want the game to be fun i want it to be interesting and yet because i win sometimes People talk about how I'm hyper-competitive. It's, it's just a different way of looking about at the game. And in fact, we just, we spent time a couple weekends ago with friends where we stayed because we were at a wedding in Chicago and they were so kind, Michael and Christina, to let us stay at their house. Part of the, uh, the cost of staying there was that they're big gamers and they were looking for live ones. And so Colleen and I sat down and one of the joys of playing games is that everybody's good at different things. We played a couple deep logic games where I would, they were very good at it. I was able to keep up, but not anywhere near as well as they. And it's not Colleen's kind of thing to think of five moves in advance. And so well, not as much fun. Then we played like Boggle. And without going into it, I am like such an anagramist, such a good Scrabble player, et cetera, et cetera, that I did really well. And after a while, it was like, it's obvious that I'm, I'm, no one can catch me. It's such an awful way to say it. You don't say it while you're playing. Right. Not only the volume of words I was coming up with, the kind of words and just the kind of thing where, okay, you don't just look for a word. You look for every way of adding an S or an ED or an ER or an EST or whatever, all the other things you do. And I'm really good at that aspect as well. You know what I mean? All the variations. Extending the word. But it doesn't make the game not fun for me and hopefully not for them. It's more, I don't know. I love it. This is, I am, I don't think arrogant, but I'm confident in certain games that I'm good at. And then when you bump into somebody that's just as good as you, if not better, it's, I am so happy to have this really be a game instead of a cakewalk. You know what I mean? It's a delight. Colleen and I are very well matched at Scrabble, for instance. You know what I mean? Once in a while, we might have to take a little bit extra time on a turn, but never so much the other person is tapping their foot or something like that. But we both have big vocabularies, good anagram ability, all that kind of stuff. Often our games are like 300 each and it's within 10 points. It comes down to the end. Once in a while... One of us will have an extraordinary game, and it's not like the other person is abetting you, but you're just like happy to be there to see it happen. Yeah. To be like, how did the guy get like five bingos in a game? Easy, perfect letters, and the vocabulary that lets you say, 
Yeah, and you must have heard about it in Scrabble. If you have six letters spell out satire, and then four out of the other 22 letters will make a bingo, a seven-letter word. And then it keeps happening. I'm getting all the S's and that kind of stuff. I, Without going into it, I said, at one point I played like antiques from triple word to triple word with a Q on the double letter or the triple letter. So it was like 210 points for a play. Better than a bingo. You know what I mean? It really was. And I think my total for that game was something like 667. Wow. And it really was. She wasn't setting me up or anything like that. I'll never have a game like that again. But just She was, after a while, you're like, punchy whisk. I'm so sorry, but I got another one. I can't <laughs> play it. You know what I mean? And, and it's every time that you play it, because they're long words, you then leave all those possibilities for the next thing. And so if you can hook you in any way, it just was, bam, bam, while it's going on. The fact that was one game out of a thousand, it was like, but I was there for it. I love not only to see it happen, but God, I was getting the tiles. How cool is this? Yes. There are times, there are games that I definitely will not pull out if I know the people I'm with aren't big gamers. There's just some games that are too many rules and complications and too strategic that if, you know, you haven't played. Game to the party, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And that's why there's a lot of great party games. That's why. Uh, Cards Against Humanity and Apples to Apples is so popular. Mm-hmm. And things like Forbidden Island work well because it's, look, yeah. or Pandemic. I love playing Pandemic. I introduce that to people that aren't big everybody's gamers. Everybody's in on every turn. Everybody matters. Yeah. There's no expertise. There's a certain amount of, you can talk things through. And say, yeah, that would work. I love yeah. That. And yeah. if I do something really well, it's to benefit you. I can't play in a vacuum because then we'll all lose. And it's all lose or all win. And I know a lot of people like that. But so I got to tell you, I, I have a problem and I need stopped. I need something. <laughs> so I, a while back, I was talking about the DC Deck Builder that I won the Kickstarter, well, not one, but I got the Kickstarter with a million a things. Yes. Variations. Yeah, right. and we've played it a bunch. Love it. I'm having so much fun. My buddy, Brian, who's one of those, he likes certain games, certain ways. There was one set he didn't like because it, it made it too difficult. There were too many things taking away from the power of his hand. And so he did not care for that whatsoever. And I thought it was cool because it changes it makes it different i'm playing the same game but with a whole different strategy it keeps it alive a while back i i've been wanting the firefly game and it's been out of print they have eight or nine expansions and i was at barnes and noble and they had the firefly game with an extra bit of stuff for a fifth person a few extra story cards and things like that and i'm like i love firefly i've wanted this game to find some people to play with I'm going to spend the money at Barnes and Noble before it totally, because I wait another year, nobody may have it. And then I'm stuck trying to find it on eBay and, oh, look, now it's $80 or something. All you have to do is have that happen once. There's something you really wanted and you let it go. And then when you go back, it's gone. And then you never see it again. Exactly. You don't see it. Exactly. So (laughs) I I got the game. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I've got it. And then two weeks ago, (laughs) I'm... Scrolling through Facebook, which is a dangerous activity, and it, because it, the AIs know what I like, and I'm scrolling, I'm like, wait, what was that? Oh, look, the company is now celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Firefly game, and they're remastering it and re-releasing it as a it's game found instead of Kickstarter, but it's every expansion, and they have stretch goals, so they add new things to explore, new pieces, and new cards. Oh man, I'm just doomed. No, I I couldn't get the base game. I already own the base game. I needed those expansions. 
I've got that coming. <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. Actually, see, isn't that cool though? Like we've talked about before, there's like game sites like good old games, GOG. And wow, certain things I've always thought I'd love to be able to try that again, but it's five generations old. And yet somebody does the labor of love to make Ultima 3 work again. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Final Fantasy now that's isn't wasteland like 14 or something like that and they the fact that these things continue it doesn't compare in terms of graphics and that kind of stuff but the gameplay back then was good and i really love the fact that there are still things that there's labors of love that people will keep those things going yeah we issue them with new stuff whenever they put out new music it's we scrape the the vaults a little bit and so here's a couple extra queen tracks king crimson tracks marillion tracks oh i am a sucker for this why do you do this to me buy this, this buy 12 album time. box set because we have one new interview and two new songs that weren't <laughs> released before see i tend not to do that i don't let myself get totally juiced by getting next to nothing for your money that you don't already have but when i have a big lp collection and then i started to collect cds when they started putting out cd box sets and it wasn't just reissues of stuff i already had it was the first one i bought was a jethro tall box set that was live performances rarities unreleased BBC recording, oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's I can get like 30 songs I don't have. I got to get this. And then once the dam breaks, then I started to get all kinds of box sets. And back <laughs> in Chicago, like you could go to Tower Records and Rolling Stone Records and they yeah. carried them all. And wow, it was back then. You didn't get just get the music. The other thing they would do is they'd have the little booklet that was, here's photos and the libretto, all the lyrics, right. all the stories from the band members. So that's a cool additional thing that you don't get otherwise. And then, you know, once you start to get all those kinds of things, it's like, I don't want to just listen to the Jethro Tull rarities. I'm really missing, now that I'm doing CDs, I got to get a couple of CDs so I have Aqualung to listen to whenever I want, and Thick as a Brick, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then the dam really broke, and now I think I have everything. A few things that I only have on LP, because it's never been reissued, or at least I've never found it. They're few and far between, but I got a wall of CDs. And that's even in the face of the world is now all digital. You can go out and get things on Spotify and Apple Music where you don't have to buy anything except listen to it or you can buy things for a dollar or two and improve your collection. Yeah. I instead have ripped every, ripped, yeah, digitized everything and I just, it's, once you have that convenience of you're on your computer and you got pretty good speakers attached to the computer, I used to have a wonderful stereo system with the big speakers flown in the corner so that they filled the room with sound. And that guy is very dusty now. I haven't listened to anything on just a dedicated stereo in a long time. Yeah. Time. Yeah, so. you're right. <laughs> I haven't either. My kids, I got them boom boxes when they were like 10. And at first they were like, what are we going to do with this? They, they couldn't fathom it. But my son just told me the other day, you know what? That was like one of the best gifts ever. I use that thing all the time. Yeah. I, I was out in the storage locker cataloging all my comic books. There's no source of power there. It's battery only. Luckily, I have a boombox that takes batteries. So I've got my rechargeable batteries and I got CD sets that I would go out there. It's like today, it's going to be Cat Stevens. And you just listen to that for the hours that you're out there, all a bunch of Cat Stevens come home, trade it for something else. It's going to be Huey Lewis in the news or whatever else. And just that making it portable so that you don't have yeah. to have a wallet, an outlet to plug into. It's really worked out well in certain specific things. Can't play a at the beach or something like that you can play this like impossible to hurt thing i don't want to have my 
phone out where right. some grit in it. You know what I mean? Right. It runs easily. Speaking of games, this past <laughs> weekend, I went down to Columbus to Origins Game Fair, which for Origins, which is the longest running, that and Gen Con are Gen the two, Con, yeah. right? They're the yeah. biggest game shows. Yeah, so. and I'd never been down there, okay. but I really wanted to go. Here, here's the backstory of why I wanted to go. So a couple years ago, my buddy Jay, author okay. friend up in Cleveland, he was having a conference out in Colorado, and I signed up for it. And another author, I don't know if you've heard of Draft the Digital, it's a distributor of books independent authors sign up and you get your books distributed to 27 different stores just in one place to consolidate and mark lefebvre goes by mark leslie lefebvre for a writer he is part of drafted digital he's one of the heads of the company now and he had been on my podcast and he was also going to do a talk out at jay's conference in colorado and i know that mark likes rush He's Canadian and he wrote a short story for a Rush anthology. And I said, Hey, Mark, I hear you're going to be talking at Jay's conference. I'm going to be out there. We should go out for a drink or something sometime. He goes, yes, that would be great. He's I'll ask my friend Kevin to come. Sure. Ask your friend, Kevin. That'd be great. It's cool. I'm like, is he a writer? What's he do? He says, oh, it's Kevin J. Anderson. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Kevin, really? Yes. You need me to pay for tickets or something? I will get like, Yes. Because I love like meeting, his work. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love meeting people when it's a signing event or it's a con or something like that. But there's also a thousand other people doing that and they don't remember people. It doesn't. That's and like you have seconds. Be polite, give them 20 seconds, move on. Mode. Yeah. Have a chat while having a, a drink or two. But how many, and better, Mark was going to bring that bat down some rush beer. And I'm like, oh, my God, how much better could that be sitting in a pub with Mm -hmm. Kevin J. Anderson and Mark Lefebvre drinking Rush beer? Nothing. I I was actually going to take my Clockwork Angels comic and have Kevin sign it, but I was going to put it on the table and put my beer on it so it would have a watermark stain because (laughs) – who has a comic that was sitting on the table while you were drinking beer with Kevin? I can Anderson? prove that this was the beer. Yes, way better than having a 9.8 CGC, I'll tell you. Let me. But that all fell through. The, okay. the whole thing got canceled, and I was very disappointed. So I found out Kevin J. Anderson was going to be down at Origins, at Origins. Uh, this weekend. And I'm like, okay, he's two hours away. I can't not go. I mean, it, my next chance is Houston, Texas in November. So I could drive down and see him and that'd be great. So I did. And he was wonderful and great. His wife, Rebecca was there and I have some star Wars books that they co-wrote. So I got both of them to sign a couple of those. I talked to him a bit. He was friends with Neil Peart. They co-wrote the clockwork angels and the third book in that series just came out and he said, it's tough for me because I had to write this one without Neil at all. Without Neil. Exactly. Yeah. And they had a copy of the first book for sale hardback signed by Neil and Kevin, but it was $600. And I'm looking at it going, I don't need to eat and I don't have to pay my editor for my next book. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, so tempted. Seriously. There will never be another chance probably for me to get a book signed by Kevin and Neil, and both, Neil. you I know, hear you. I hear you. but I was like, eh, it's going to sit on a shelf. I've got a reproduction copy of Dracula coming from Dacre Stoker. Uh, okay. And that was almost 300 bucks. So I'm like, can I really fathom two hundred or a thousand dollars for two books in one year? 
I don't know about that. <laughs> I must admit, I have very few things like prominence type stuff like that where I paid for the signature. I've had things where I got them signed at conventions or, but I, when they have nowadays, CGC sponsors all these various different events where they actually have, we're going to send in 500 books, a thousand books to a particular writer or artist, right. sign them all and send them back. And somehow that it takes away the magic of, I got a sign because I talked to the guy. We shook hands. I exactly. told him my formative story of how I really love your art, Gene Colon, because you wrote this, you you drew this issue of Daredevil, that, et cetera, et cetera. So it means way more. I, I know it means money. You know what I mean? I know that it really is good to have those kinds of things by luck. In fact, another thing that I often do is when I've had things, remember we were visited with Pete Craig Russell and I feel obligated to say to people, I promise that this isn't going to be on eBay as soon as I get home. I'm getting it because I'm happy to meet you and I want to have this cool little interaction. You know what I mean? Your silver pen is such a cool thing to have. Like anybody else who knows comics, if they see this, I want them to say, oh man, you met Pete Craig Russell. I really did. I didn't and you didn't just before. meet him. You were standing around talking to him for a for couple hours. hours. A couple hours. Exactly that. So just that it became a story. I like the stories behind things. We just, I had a friend post where we had Bruce Springsteen at the Assembly Hall in Champaign-Urbana in 1981. So that's 40 years ago. <laughs> we both had a group called Star Course and we worked backstage. And one of those things where it's like, he was just so decent. The entire E Street band was so decent. I got my copy of Darkness on the Edge of Town signed. I think nice. he was touring in support of the river, but I had past albums. that he, I don't want to just show you that I got the most current one. I wanted to go all the way back to Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. But I, like, I didn't want to assume, oh, now I'm the stalker fan either. <laughs> Having said all that, it's just so nice. That was a great story that Reed and I could both share. Reed Engdahl, guy, he was like our tickets guy for Star Course. And that's, I always thought, if ever I write like the memoir of my life, uh, the fact that I've been a collector, all of those things are going to like trigger story after right. story. They all have those little associations. And I'm just happy that maybe it's been weird to accumulate all this stuff. Storage lockers full of stuff. But there really are so many things. I don't just have the book. I remember getting this book at the Chicago Comic-Con where the air conditioning failed. And then <laughs> with paper and you're like, my God, I don't want to touch things with my sweaty fingers. I got to be careful that I don't throw anybody's merchandise and I don't want anybody to, you know what I mean, uh, yeah. to make a story out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. So yeah, Origins, I'm like, man, I really got to go back next year for way longer because there's yeah. so many play tests that were going on. There's so many people just putting up a sign. Hey, we need a player. Stop in and play. It's like a, rg or an ag and yeah. i'm like oh i haven't been in decades i used to be a regular at gen con when it was in milwaukee and then right. the first year of indy and stuff like that and it's one of those things that because it's something i don't share with colleen she's nowhere near the gamer that i am and so it'll be just like i've escaped for a pinball weekend or something like that i'll have to keep track of an escape and just say pook let me go be a total geek for three days it'll be 500 for a hotel plus pizza plus that kind of stuff and yet there's nothing I want to do with $500 yeah. more yeah, than you, this place. You didn't mention to her all the money that's going to be spent on all the cool games that you're discovering yeah, at the... No, that, that comes from the secret slush fund that I maintain. <laughs> <Right>. no. <laughs> but to be honest, there, there were... 
not every single booth was selling stuff. A lot of them really were play test or showing their new stuff, but not a big store to sell. Yeah, so yeah. it really was, you could get, go around and talk and stuff without feeling pressured into buying something or that they were only trying to sell you. Yeah. I ran into Jacob way from deep water gaming who I've had him on my podcast and they have monstrosity. And I'm taking that to the RG for Pen Pennsylvania to test out and give him okay. a little review and stuff on that. Cool. And then I'm really thinking about doing that one, but we haven't been in Pittsburgh in a long time too, because we've always had that Labor Day was family stuff going on. And now that we're both going to be retired and it isn't, we, if we might not be able to make it for the entire thing, but just like Friday, Saturday with Benson's would be wonderful. I think we well, might, it doesn't matter whatever part we can make it. It's so close. It's still right. an hour and a half down the road. I've, I'm, I'm probably going to be super busy that I want to play a lot of games. Shout right. out to Amber, a friend that lives up in Akron because she, got she's i saw she's with this game group and they're meeting okay. at the green dragon in akron like every thursday so i'm like exactly I, I gotta start making it but i'm yeah. let's see i'm doing an author panel on saturday and i'm going to have some amazing authors i've got bill who's published traditionally and he's been around the industry forever but then i've Absolutely. got this 10 year old kid who wrote a book and all the money is going to charity and then there's this like 74 year old grandmother who writes poetry and decided to start publishing them. And then there's a few of us in between that I'm like, wow, I'm like the least interesting author on this whole panel, <laughs> you know? The fact that you know all those people and can be the nexus that brings it all together, that's wonderful. Steve. It is that's cool. Really cool. My buddy Reese is going to come down and give a horror talk, the same one he did up at Cleveland. I convinced him to come and do that. I'm thinking of doing a, a talk, and this is personal. <laughs> I want to do a talk on trading card games and living card games and deck builders and how they're similar, how they're different and the great things about them, just because I want to see who's interested. So I know who to bug to play those games with me for the weekend. Exactly. Sometimes the reason to do a talk is to find your tribe and yeah. then let's not just have this hour together. Let's make an association. Very right. good. Okay. So it's going to be a busy, fun weekend. Yeah. Colin's coming. Everyone... Okay. Are you going to be at the AG? I think not. Are you going to the AG in Baltimore? No, not. I was thinking about it originally, and I was actually going to try and do my talk there. But with some of the stuff okay. that was happening at sign-up times and stuff, I'm skipping that. I really want to get back to it. So I'm hoping next year maybe to give it a try again. Exactly. Colleen Kent, that's the week after Colleen is retired. And so we're going to go there and have a lot of fun. We, John Waters is the gala dinner speaker, and we are both big fans of his. So I'm really nice. looking forward to seeing, especially him with Mensons. It's going to be very fun to see this brilliant, odd guy dealing with a whole bunch of brilliant, odd people. And we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> nice. Um, and Baltimore's cool to explore. Let's go see Poe. Let's go. You know what I mean? Where there'll be fireworks. It's always a nice time. So yeah, yeah. Go there and be in a very relaxed mode. I had no role this year instead of being i've been on the ag committees multiple times in the past and it'll be really nice to just show up and see our friends and stuff like that and game and, and Relax, you know, yeah. talk late at night yes okay. all right thanks as always oh, for somebody today we have we had some catching up to do and actually having said that the ag start like the colloquium is on tuesday of next week and that's a whole day and can't easily get away from an event and then as opposed oh. to taking the break from the ag i think let's take next week off if yeah. that's okay and then 
I'll have a lot to say on the following. <laughs> Good. We've got a couple of shows backlogged anyway. So I work for fine. And if anybody, if the people that really care would probably be at the AG anyway. <laughs> I would hope. Oh, no. Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Talk to you later. All the pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.